This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, October 6th. Coming up, 20 years ago, the tiny southwestern Kansas town of Montezuma became the first in the state to get a large-scale wind farm. Most people around here, I don't think, even notice them anymore. We'll take a look at the history of the Kansas wind industry and what we can learn from those who have lived with turbines the longest. Plus, how the wind industry is trying to make sure it thrives over the next 20 years. But first, some headlines. Yesterday, Missouri executed a black man convicted of murder who advocates say was not eligible for the death penalty because he was intellectually disabled. In 1994, Ernest Johnson was convicted of murdering three people with a hammer during a robbery. But his lawyers, Pope Francis, and two Missouri congressional representatives said Johnson had fetal alcohol syndrome and had 20% of his brain missing due to the removal of a tumor. A 2002 U.S. Supreme Court ruling says that executing people with intellectual disabilities violates the Constitution and counts as cruel and unusual punishment. However, the Missouri Supreme Court ruled Johnson was not disabled. Earlier this week, Missouri Governor Mike Parson refused to pardon Johnson, and yesterday the U.S. Supreme Court also denied a request to stop the execution. Johnson was 61. A Jackson County judge has ruled that Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas's effort to reallocate $42 million of the police department's $239 million budget violates state law. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. In May, a supermajority of the city council approved reallocating the money for community services and prevention. The Board of Police Commissioners sued, claiming the move was illegal, and Judge Patrick Campbell sided with them. Campbell said that Missouri law grants the board exclusive management and control of the police department. He said the move by Lucas and the city council interfered with that. Once the board adopts a budget, he ruled, the city's obligation to fund it is not a discretionary act. The decision is a blow to Lucas's attempt to reform the department and come up with innovative ways to fight crime. The Kansas City Police Board is unique in that the city does not control it. Four of its five members are appointed by the governor. The mayor is its fifth member. 20 years ago, wind farms were just a novelty. Today, wind turbines define the modern Kansas landscape nearly as much as cattle and wheat. Brian Grimmett of the Kansas News Service explores what we can learn from a small southwest Kansas community transformed by wind power. The first large collection of wind turbines in Kansas rose up in 2001, just outside of tiny Montezuma in Gray County in southwestern Kansas. As far as me personally and my wife, I, I like them, and uh, they've been a very great economic boost for this area. That's Orville Williams. He's lived in Montezuma since 1961 and is one of the people who made a deal with the company, now known as NextEra Energy, to put up wind turbines on some of his land. In total, 170 turbines make up the Gray County Wind Farm. Its electrical output can power about 35,000 homes. Williams says in the 20 years of farming around the towers, he's never really had any problems. Not really. Uh, can't think of any. Sure, he says. You can hear them. But you've got to be real close. And as far as the way they look... Most people around here, I don't think, even notice them anymore. It's been valuable enough for him that he recently signed a new 20-year lease. But it's not just landowners with turbines who pull in money. 
Yes, wind farms are tax-exempt in Kansas, but counties can negotiate payments to okay their construction. The Gray County Wind Farm alone has resulted in $5.3 million in payments to the county. Gray County is now home to four wind farms. It's received more than $15 million in payments since 2001. Some of that money is specifically set aside for local school districts. There is not a, another place that I can go to generate nearly half a million dollars every single year. That's Cimarron School District Superintendent Mike Waters. That school system got $3.6 million from wind farms in the past decade. He says the district has used the wind money to pay for major construction projects, and that's helped avoid raising property taxes. Projects include two new parking lots, a kitchen upgrade at the elementary school, and most recently, a new grandstand at the district's football stadium. After climbing the 25 steps on the brand new bleachers, you can see the wind farm that helped pay for it. In southwest Kansas, and certainly here in Gray County, we have one natural resource that just does not stop, and that's wind. But it's getting harder to sell wind farms in some parts of Kansas. Alan Anderson is an attorney with the Polsonelli Law Firm. He's represented energy developers on many of the state's wind projects. He says things started to shift around 2015. Instead of dollar signs, communities started to equate wind farms with supposed dangers, unfounded worries about cancer, or even that giant blades somehow changed the weather. It really was mirroring society. So there was more misinformation flowing. Social media was taking off, so it allowed for misinformation to flow uh, widely. And then the populace was more receptive to taking in misinformation and, and adopting it and even kind of using it out in the public. The pushback forced companies to work harder for community support with mixed success. Back in Gray County, Montezuma Mayor Grant Salmons says he's heard the wild bogus stories about wind farms. When we hear somebody in a certain part of the state that doesn't want one and they come up with some type of program or a group of people trying to keep them out, we're kind of like, well, you know, that doesn't really make much sense to us. In Montezuma, he says people want more turbines and the money they bring. We'll be back with more on the Kansas wind industry after a message from our sponsors. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. In the second part of our story today, Brian Grimmett takes a look at how the Kansas wind industry has changed over the past 20 years and where it could be heading. Hey, Barry, DJ here. Yes, sir. Hey, man, can you please pause X1 for us? We'd like to walk inside here and take a look around. That's Dwayne Poff. He's the supervisor at the Cimarron Bend Wind Projects located south of Dodge City. The tower we're standing underneath is almost as tall as the Kansas State Capitol. 
Add in the blade when pointing straight up, and it's taller than the tallest building in Kansas. That mammoth size is one way wind turbines have changed over the past 20 years. While this turbine constructed last year is nearly 300 feet tall, the turbines at the very first large-scale wind farm in the state stretched only 200 feet above the ground. Poff says transporting larger towers and blades is more difficult, but the benefits outweigh the challenges. There's only uh, a total of 74 towers to produce 200 megawatts on Cimarron Bend 3, but Cimarron Bend 1 and 2, we have 100 towers. Wind turbines are relatively simple, with only a few moving parts. But like all machines, they still require maintenance and repairs. Puff says there are about 35 people on site daily. With the turbine right next to us turned off, you can barely hear any of the others less than 1,500 feet away. Once the blades are stopped, wind technicians can grease bearings, patch blades, and inspect for other mechanical or electrical faults. Last year, almost 450 new wind turbines were built in Kansas. Nearly as many will go in this year. Kit Thompson is the chair of the Renewable Energy Program at Cloud County Community College. He says with that many turbines going in each year, there's been a steady demand for technicians. It's not just that the industries need to hire a lot of new technicians. They're offering very, very good pay. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says the median pay for a wind tech in 2020 was $56,000 a year. Wind technician is also expected to be one of the fastest growing jobs over the next 10 years. Marcus Krems is the head of sustainability for the energy company Enel. He says wind turbines are built to last 20 to 25 years, but by changing out parts and replacing blades, that lifespan can be extended by decades. We have taken a no landfill commitment as a company around the, the end of life considerations of, of wind blades specifically. Uh, but it's also important to point out that 85% of a wind turbine components today are fully recyclable. Only three other states can harness more wind power than Kansas. And wind accounts for almost half of the electricity produced in the state. But even with a mature industry and wind despair, Krem says there's still a major obstacle to continued growth. There's one word, and, and it's transmission. Transmission cables are the large wires used to transport high-voltage electricity from where energy is produced, like Kansas, to the population centers to the east and west where it's needed. Alan Anderson is an attorney who helps represent renewable energy projects, including the proposed 800-mile-long multi-state transmission project known as the Grain Belt Express. He says when it's finally approved after more than a decade of paperwork and government red tape, the project will be key to unlocking more of Kansas's renewable potential. Similar to corn, beans, and wheat, where we export, and it's, we're a great export state for those ingredients, it'd be great if we get the same with our, with our renewable resources, that we can harvest it and get it to the marketplace and to the benefit of Kansans. Even with more transmission, Anderson says he expects wind growth in Kansas will eventually slow, especially as solar and battery storage become more affordable. But, he says, as long as the wind still blows in Kansas, there will be plenty of opportunities left to take advantage of one of the state's most desired natural resources. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Brian Grimmett in Mineola.
The Kansas News Service is based here at KCUR. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by CJ Janovey. You can find more of our work at kcur.org, where you can read Brian's stories on wind power. You can also catch Kansas City's NPR station live on the air at 89.3 FM. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.